Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, can we start with a starling update, please? Well, the, the good news is uh, some of the neighbours listen to the podcast and I am now the official pest controller of the close <laughs> because it's not just us that it happens to. So I, I'm, I'm now, we're now getting calls. My, my mate Paul goes, he says, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fancy having a go at Starling. Uh, so I, I was called round on Friday night and, and this time I rescued a female blackbird. So it's, it's it's a whole new career on the back of this podcast, Kevin. And you know the difference between a female blackbird and a male blackbird, Kieran. That's it's extraordinary. <laughs> yes, it's a matter of plumage, I believe. I like the it fact, is. yeah, people people all over the world will be saying that it's so typical of the south of England that they don't just pop next door and chat to each other. And they say, oh, "I heard your podcast. We have a we have a similar problem. Let me introduce myself." Um, it's Questions Day, Kieran, but we have a couple of uh, news stories. Uh, the first one is a big one, Kieran. It's reported in a proper daily newspaper this week um, that accountants are the best at kissing. Uh, there's been a survey. There's obviously a quiet news day. A Metro newspaper <laughs> carried this story. <laughs> accountants are the best at kissing. Apparently, civil servants are the worst at kissing. No mention of podcast hosts or comedians, but... Uh, Obviously, I laughed for about half. I was laughing so much, Kieran, I could barely take a photograph of the article to send it to you. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I believe you can corroborate that. In fact, I, I believe there are letters winging their way from Moscow as we speak to corroborate that that is the case. Absolutely, I've, I've got, I've got a, a letter of commendation uh, from uh, from from the East European Front. I, I, was, I was doing my best to uh, to improve East West relations, and uh, uh, you know. Every, yeah. Every man's got to do his bit for the country and woman, of course. And, and of course, yeah. I, I just Ali's away on tour at the moment, but I I, I phoned her and got one of her. What now? <laughs> you should be able to work the dishwasher by now. So I know I told her the story, and she just went, oh, "I'd love to be there when he tells Gay all that." <laughs> uh, let's have a proper news story. We've got two proper news stories. Um, they're both strange in their own way. <laughs> yes. In America, the MLS have partnered with Apple to stream every US top flight men's game worldwide for the next 10 years, which seems to be an extraordinary commitment, but also the small print, correct me if I'm wrong, Kieran, so is that other people might be able to get involved as well. Is that right? 
That, that's right. Um, it, it is a very complicated. First of all, it's it's a worldwide deal. So people say, yeah, why, why are Apple getting involved in this? Because if you take a look at the ratings for the MLS, um, they're around about you know, 200, 250,000. It's, it's pretty much, you know, America's a big country. So it, it's, it's pretty bobbins. It, it is it is uh, a significant increase on the value of the existing deal. Um, and I think it's interesting that the, the players, uh, if uh, if the overall revenues are higher than expected, because it is linked to, to viewing figures, if, if the ratings increase, then the players get a slice of this as well. Um, but the, the value of the deal is uh, around about $2.5 billion over 10 years, which is which is half of what I think NBC is it, and Peacock are paying for the Premier League rights. So I think that's indicative of the the MLS has still got some place to go, and it's two point five billion. That compares to I think it's one hundred and thirteen billion over the same period for the NFL. But I think the the excitement yeah, the excitement is a is, is is carrying a lot of weight here uh, of the deal. Is does it now mean that Apple? Is serious about football as a potential uh, as a potential vehicle for for Apple Plus. Uh, you know, it's it's got some good content out there. Uh, you know, I think the Pistol Show, which I'm which I'm looking forward to uh, as 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 a Pistols fan. Uh, you know, that's good. And there's other bits and pieces, but but sport is tends to be a success. So. Does this therefore mean that they could be starting to apply for for European football, which a would be more expensive, but if it increases competition, that could increase price. Um, you're absolutely right that there still does appear to be some scope for some of the other broadcasters to have the MLS. Whether they want it very much or not, I'm I'm not convinced. Uh, yeah, they, they've not paid a lot. It doesn't get a huge amount of promotion. It, it's lower down the pecking order than college sports mm. in the US. And co- in co- I mean, college sports is we, we've got no concept. I, I was yep. I was asked to give a, a talk at Stanford uh, about ten years ago, and I went along and I thought, oh well, yeah, I, I, I'm used to university sports grounds, so I thought, oh well, yeah, I'll, I'll pop along. I'll, I'll get I'll get one of their their college football soccer shirts. I know they got it. And then I went into this stadium. And I thought, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bigger than it's bigger than what Brighton are playing in, yeah, uh, and Palace. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, so it, it it's different because it's a worldwide deal. Could this be the sign of things to come? Uh, I, I think it would take a huge amount of money for somebody to pick up the global rights for the Premier League, but it gives the Premier League and it gives the Bundesliga another negotiating chip as things go forward. So does this mean then if you're an MLS fan in America and you can't get to games, when it's Apple is streaming, so so it will no longer be on mainstream broadcast TV screens. You can only watch it via laptop. Um, no, no, because if you if you've got Apple TV, if you've got the oh, app, you oh, can right, you right, can okay. you can bounce that. Uh, and, and and remember many many smart smart TVs these days have apps built into them. Um, so you will be able to do that. In terms of cost, it looks as if there. You, if, if you've got Apple, you know, and I'm not going to say yay or nay for, for if, you, if you've got if you can afford a subscription for Apple TV, then, then you know, that, that's your call. I, I, I think that you, you will have on your existing subscription, you'll get access to a number of matches, but not all of them. But if you want the full subscription, and you know, ultimately, I think it's a pretty pretty nerdy person that wants access to every single match mm. of, of a season. Yeah, you know, because 
you know, we we both love football, but you know, Burnley versus Watford on a Tuesday night pushes our loyalty to to the game. Um, I think you'll probably have to go and pay some form of top up. Yeah, and ten years is a long deal, Kieran, isn't it? Mm, mm. But they but they like long deals in 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 the states uh, for the NFL. They're, they're normally nine or ten year deals, so they, the the TV companies like to get that infrastructure set up in advance, so they they can invest in the in in the outside broadcasts, they can invest in the studios, they can invest in signing up the pundits, and so on. Yeah, I'm trying to sell an idea to Apple Plus where a middle-aged South Londoner called Kevin goes to manage an MLS team and see whether I get cast in that as myself. Um, (laughs) Always finish, Kieran, even in practice. The universe wouldn't have forgiven me if I didn't moan about that, and all our listeners wouldn't have forgiven me either. Um, This next question is the, the, the opposite end of the economic scale, but it's one of the weirdest stories we've had. We We spoke... A while ago, about the problem of Staines Town and the owners of Staines Town being very upset with the, the the people who were financing them, accusations of human slavery or whatever, and they issued yesterday one of the longest, weirdest statements I've ever seen, which meanders from human slavery uh, to the news that it turns out a third of the pitch is owned by the next door neighbour. <laughs> uh, uh, where, where this leaves the club, and, it, and it, it it does read like a satire, but it's all genuine. And for Staines Town fans, it's very upsetting. But can you can you unpick it a little bit, Kieran? I would urge our listeners to 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 find it. It's on it's on their Twitter feed. It's it's very long, but it's it's one of the bizarrest things I've read in football, Kieran, isn't it? Yes, um, and the the final paragraph. The owners of uh, Staines Towns are now left with two thirds of a pitch and one not big enough to comply with FA rules. Yeah. In the light of this, we understand there's been several ideas to put forward the shortfall, including the setting up of the Middlesex over 60s walking football league with the rationale being that the participants would not have to walk so far <laughs> as to attack each other's goals. It, it's just this... It, it, even even your uh, comedic colleague Paul Foote would say, well, this is looking a bit surreal. <laughs> you know, uh, and um, it, it, it's It's just... It, it, we don't know. I can't work out whether it is parody, whether it's just some very hacked off individual, um, or, or whether there is some because because we, we can't say some of the things which I think are on the uh, on no. the statement because I, I'm not sure where they would stand from a from a legal perspective. So so we're certainly not going to repeat them, uh, as you rightly said. Uh, I would encourage people to read it, scratch their head, and uh, say, well. If you've never taken mag- magic mushrooms, this is the closest that you'll ever come to it. But it it leaves us no nearer to knowing what the future of Stage Town is, except, except bleak. You imagine it's hard to imagine they're going to be fulfilling their fixtures next year for whatever reasons, isn't it? Well, look at things. Yes, because it, it looks as if the existing board did try to to reach out to the supporters' trust to yeah. see whether they want to convert it into a fan owned club. Um, I, I think the supporters' trust felt we're not quite sure what we're inheriting, and have said uh, thanks, but no thanks. But uh, you know, ultimately, it would be great if if the club is in a position where it can play football uh, next season. Uh, although I think there there could be one or two litigation issues hanging over the club if uh, if some of the participants named yeah. in in this and the previous statement decide to take action. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it, Kieran. If you decide you're not going to name names because you're worried about legal action, then 
there is a, definitely a problem. It doesn't <laughs> normally stop you in the past. Um, let's questions. Uh, Bryn Dyer has our first question. And Bryn Dyer says, I know one of Kevin's pet hates is when a team wears a change strip when there isn't a colour clash. That is indeed one of my pet hates. With this in mind, I was quite shocked when I went to watch Norwich at Spurs last season. And Norwich appeared in a luminous orange kit, which reminded me of the Ready Brick commercials from my childhood. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know, does wearing this kit as opposed to the yellow and green actually generate them more money? Because And Bryn's absolutely right. There's no need whatsoever for that kit to be worn. Uh, maybe back in the old days of black and white TV, but not not anymore. Right. Well, I, I contacted uh, our, our friends at Watford yep. uh, with regards to this. Um, and uh, for the sake of transparency, we'd also like to say thank you very much to our friends at Watford who've invited us to, to see Elton John play at, uh, at Vicarage Road. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a bit jarred. I think that might be an ambush, Kieran, I think. I think somebody from Watford may have heard my Elton John story a couple of weeks ago and decided that this is a way for Elton to get his own back. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to think about that. No no, no swing doors. <laughs> but no, but yes, it's very kind of Watford to invite us to Elton John. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know I can look my ex-punk friends in the face and say I might be going to see Elton John. <laughs> I've, I've seen Barry Manilow. Holy mother of God! I, I've seen Barry Manilow, and I've seen, uh, uh, yeah, and, and I've seen John Lydon. So, uh, yeah, but don't knock Big Bad Baz. How can you go to a Sisters of Mercy gig and and not tell people that you've also seen Barry Manilow? And where did you I, see I, Barry Manilow? I saw Barry Manilow uh, at uh, at Manchester Arena wearing a Sisters of Mercy t shirt. You were, or he was. No, I, no, I, I was, I was. Uh, All right, to be that, fair. Was, that would have been a ballsy look for Barry Manilow to come out of the <laughs> yes. Sisters of Mercy t-shirt. Yeah, it it was. Well, I, I just take the view that it's it's showbiz, um, and I've got to broaden my horizons. And boy, were they broadened! I don't think your horizons need much more broadening, Kieran. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, if anything, I think they maybe need to be taken in a little bit. Um, but anyway, back to football finance, oh. which I believe is what this pod is about. That. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and and we are in the Sunday Times culture section today. Um, yes, I saw that. But <laughs> well, there's nothing there you could put on a poster, is it? <laughs> Just no. things to listen to. Price of football podcast. <laughs> uh, it's nice. Yes, we're in. It's nice. We're in the culture section. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, our, our friends from Watford said um, that there's no obligation to play in the away kits. But the the retail team, the, the 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 guys who who are in the sort of the merchandise area, they they like it when when the club plays in the away kit because you tend to get extra sales. So so there oh. is there is a little you know they would be absolutely delighted. Um, as far as the manufacturers are concerned, what they tend to do is and remember we we had the guy from Hummel on is that. For, as far as the away kits are concerned, they say, "Well, we think we're going to sell twenty thousand over the course of the year," and they supply the club with twenty thousand or ten thousand, whatever it's going to be, and, and they're not particularly bothered because, as far as the, the order's gone in, the club's effectively paid for them, and uh, and away you go. So it's uh, it, it's not a huge amount. Um, sometimes it comes from the players because oh. fo- footballers are very superstitious. Right. And they might perceive that a particular kit is luckier than the others. Though it could be they've got one or two colourblind players in them who can yeah, actually yeah. see the alternative kits. Um, 
the the I think the only issue where you would be obliged to play your second kit on a fixed number or a day minimus number of occasions is if you've got separate sponsors for the home kit and the away kit and therefore the sponsors of the away kit would be guaranteed that we will play in this kit at least eight times a season right, right. and and therefore you, you'd have to work that out um but there's there's no uh, there's no in theory, there's nothing major coming from. Yeah, the, the, the manufacturers of the big six might put a bit more pressure on because, yeah, if you're Adidas and you're paying Manchester United seventy-five million pounds a year for for being the the privilege of the kit manufacturer, then you've got a you know, a variety of merchandise. But once you drop below the big six, uh, that that pressure uh, very much evaporates. If Norwich players were superstitious, they would have stopped wearing that yellow and green kit. Because that was very unlucky. <laughs> yes. uh, but surely the, the argument that uh, yeah the merchant the, the manufacturers say well we wear this one, or the market the marketing people say wear this one. It depends on the result. Because if you get beaten six 0 wearing the that third away kit, no one's going to buy it, are they? It's in the same way that Palace bizarrely turned out for the FA Cup final replay in ninety nine in the yellow and black kit. Which I'm sure, had we won, would people would still be wearing now? But mm. I, I've seen people literally chased out of pubs if they turn up wearing it because everyone considered it unlucky and no one bought it. So that that's a double edged sword, isn't it? it? It's a gamble. You're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike Toon uh, has a good name. Mike Toon. Mike says, "How much do England players get as match fees?" This is something we discussed earlier in the pod, but we haven't spoke about for some while. Except for the, you know, you remind us often that they donate their match fees. So, how much do England players get as match fees? How do they compare to other countries? And finally, says Mike, "Pardon my scepticism, but knowing the players donate their fees, how have they performed versus inflation in recent years?" Which <laughs> is a sceptical question, but it's a good one. Uh, 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 it's, it's a cynic after her own heart, and, I, and I'm not a cynic, as we know. Um, um, with, with regards to England, uh, the I think the, the the perception is is that the match fees are two thousand pounds a match, which which seems pretty low, uh, and and perhaps that this is why they, they are donated to to charity. Um, I think it's commendable that uh, the the men and the women get the same fee, and, and I know Brazil have agreed to that as well. So we are seeing that more and more. Um, I think the reason why the fees are relatively low is because the players themselves uh, are well remunerated uh, in in their day career, as it were. When we look at some other countries, so if if we take a look at the US, and we, yeah, we, we've just been talking about the MLS, well, you know, the, that 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 Apple TV deal. Uh, brings in less money than than clubs in the EFL get from their TV deal. So you know that sort of game, just sort of benchmark it. It it means that if if you get into the national team, you do get quite a sig. You know, you're getting more exposure, and and I, I would say that uh, you know American football perhaps it's got some parallels with with cricket in the sense that the the national team's revenues are greater proportionately than those of the the domestic leagues yeah so if, if we take a look at the us as far as the world cup campaign was concerned they were getting ten thousand dollars appearance money but fourteen thousand dollars on top of that as a win bonus um i don't think the england structure is is particularly incentivized yeah it's it's you're proud to play for your country yeah. and and uh, and so on. So so it it does very much vary from country to country. Um, those 
those countries where domestic leagues, there's not a huge amount of money, paradoxically, that they, they can be slightly more generous in terms of the match fees because breaking through into the national team, especially if you're playing in the domestic leagues, can, can have a, a significant impact upon your, your overall earnings, just as it does uh, in cricket. I, you know, I think there are still people listening to this, Kieran, who are surprised to hear that you get paid to play for your country. Um, it's it somehow seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Really, it it is. But you are also helping the football association to generate huge amounts of money from yep. broadcast deals, yep. yep. um, huge amounts of money from the commercial partners, and therefore. As you are the the reason why these revenues are being generated, the argument goes: surely you should share uh, in in those rewards. And and in the case of the the England men's team, and, and uh, I think was was this originally driven by Gary Neville? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know, fair play to them. Yeah, yeah, people say, well, they can afford to do it. Yes, they can afford to do it, but they still do it. Yeah, you know, and that yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of people that can afford to be more generous in life. Who choose not to be? Yeah. Um, next question comes from Spencer Pritchard, uh, and Spencer says, "My club Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, drew Liverpool in the FA Cup for the second time in three years, which is a great moment. But there's a lot of bad blood between Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, and Liverpool over the replay at Anfield in 2020. Klopp refused to attend the fixture and was open about not using any first team players in the game, saying they needed a rest." Shrewsbury Shrewsbury launched a complaint against the European champions for breaking FA Cup rules in not fielding their strongest team that argued that the club missed out on television revenue due to a decision not to air the replay because of Klopp dropping those players. The claim, however, was dismissed four months later with no real reason given or compensation for our club. Why did the FA reach this decision and how much did our club miss out in terms of revenue as a result? Um, if you're wondering why I say Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, it's because whatever one I choose, I'll get complaints <laughs> from people who say it's the other one. I also love the fact, Spencer, so there's, a, there's a lot of bad blood between Shrewsbury and Liverpool. Uh, I, that's just, <laughs> I, I, I think that's not going two ways, is it? I, I, just, that's I, just, I just love the idea of Shrewsbury fans convincing themselves that oh, they hate us, Liverpool. They really, they really don't like us. <laughs> Um, but it's a, it's a it's a it's an interesting question, and also it, it obviously still rankles. It's two years ago, but it's still rankles. But it's it's a it's a fair point because from Spencer's point of view, his club lost out on a fair bit of money. I'm guessing, Kieran, didn't they? They did. It's it's estimated to be around about uh, half a million pounds, wow. uh, which which is a lot of money for a, for a club like Shrewsbury. Um, I, I do remember speaking to Brian, uh, the, I think chief exec at Shrewsbury at the time, and he yeah that 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 was one of those telephone conversations. Where I thought, well, even if I had recorded it, we would have to bleep out so much <laughs> that, that it wouldn't have been worthwhile putting an excerpt on the show. Um, <laughs> He, yeah, he he, he he was mildly disappointed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as far as the FA is concerned, uh, I, I don't think there's necessarily a, a huge obligation to put out your best teams, and also precedent has been set. Uh, yeah, remember by the FA. Remember, was it about twenty years ago when Manchester United yeah. were playing in the were playing in a, a tournament, a World Club Championship, and yeah. they, they had to pull out of the FA Cup and. and uh, so on and so forth. Um, as much as much as I loathe it, because I take 
the view, and I suspect you do as well, that when I go along to see my team, I want us to win every single match and therefore put out your best team. Mm. I understand such is the relative financial benefits of one extra victory in the Premier League is it completely outweighs going through one extra round or two extra rounds in the FA Cup. So so clubs prioritise that. Um, it, it happens to most clubs. I think what was different about the Liverpool case, at, and you know, I'm, I'm a big admirer of Jurgen Klopp, he had a beef which he expressed you know, verbally saying, well, you know, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. And, and if, if, if perhaps he just said, well, we have, we've not decided what team we're going to put out yet, and they would have perhaps got a, uh, uh, you know, the match would have been broadcast. But by 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 being proactive and saying, well, I ain't going to be there, yeah. uh, you know, effectively the players aren't going to be there, it did diminish the attractiveness of that fixture from a broadcaster's point of view. So perhaps it, it wasn't, uh, I, I understand his concerns, fixture congestion, player welfare, uh, absolutely understand where he's coming from with regards to that. Um, it was unfortunately that, that that Shrewsbury ended up as, as the fall guys for that and they lost out in terms of remuneration. To be fair to Liverpool, they they did give their share of gate receipts to Shrewsbury for the first match. Um, and also they they thought that even a, you know, a, a, a an imperfect Liverpool team would have been strong enough to have won that match. They, they The last thing that they wanted was a... Uh, was a replay and they yeah. got it. Now yeah, there's a case of saying, well, why not go and put out a half decent team in the first place? And you probably would have won it, but but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from Dan Haller, and it's about Chesterfield. But I suspect Dan is not a Chesterfield fan. Dan's question says uh, it relates to Chesterfield FC's recent work on a GoFundMe page where they tried to raise money for some new frost covers at the price of £15,000. After a decent cup run, additional funding trickling down from the EPL and COVID cost cuts supporting the financial state of the club, why did they feel the need to raise money like this for some new frost covers? Now, I know at least one regular listener, Marcia, uh, is a Chesterfield fan. I can almost hear her hackles raising from here. Um, but it's a good question, Kieran. Yes, and uh, it, it did look, it did raise eight thousand four hundred and twenty seven pounds for right. the frost covers. So, so some people over four hundred people uh, donated, um, and uh, I, I think I've said this before. Um, Ch- Chesterfield are one of the very few clubs that I give a six star rating yes. to in my five star uh, analysis of uh, football club accounts. They give the most detailed uh, breakdown of of costs. Um, and I'm not saying that every club should provide this amount of detail, but the fact that some provide the square root of nothing uh, as an alternative is is uh, isn't great either. Um, so the, the reason for this, uh, Dan, is is simply because Chesterfield were losing eight thousand pounds a week in 2021, uh, and, and yes, they did get some trickle down money, and yes, they did get some uh, money from the government in, in terms of of the the central funding, which went to our 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 good friends at the National League, yeah. who, who who for some reason still they just won't pick up that phone. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chesterfield as a club, you know, lost lost four hundred grand in 2021, so. Uh, you know, having to come up with uh, alternative fundraising methods is is the is is the consequence of that. Yeah, you've got the hump with the National League this week, haven't you? Remind me why. Um, Fan tokens. Because, oh yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at a time when uh, the value of Bitcoin has gone from you know over sixty thousand dollars per coin to less than twenty thousand, and we're seeing everything else crash. Uh, yeah, the, the idea of fan tokens. And okay, I understand you've got a fiduciary duty as a board to explore all options, but you've also got a fiduciary duty, in my opinion, to protect the integrity of the game and to in, and to uh, protect the fan base as well. Uh, you know, these these fan tokens uh, we're we're not huge uh, hugely appreciative of uh, as far as this podcast is concerned. But you know, we 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 wait to uh, you know I. I we, I think Socios have have contacted me on a couple of occasions, saying, "Kieran, we, we, we think we think you're, you don't quite get it," huh. and uh, I'm 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 happy to talk to them. This episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion. You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football, and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Jamie Coleman asks this, how do ex-players get on the punditry circuit? Is it simply a case of agents talking to broadcasters and making deals? How do certain players manage to get on multiple platforms? And do you have to have played at a certain level to be part of the big games punditry teams? Right. Well, this is, I think this is a great question. I'm not sure that it's a football finance question. And you've worked in the world of you know, football from a, from a broadcasting point mm. of view, w- would you be in a better position to answer this than me? Yeah. Uh, oh, blimey. Oh, I don't like this responsibility. Um, 
I mean, it's a football finance question in that the pundits at the top level are very, very well paid uh, for doing it. Um, How do they get on the punditry circuit? It's unfortunately, it's pretty much who you know. Um, Mm. It will be a case of agents talking to broadcasters and making deals. The, The sad fact is that Michael Owen, who is very rarely mentioned in the same sentence as best pundit on TV, is far more likely to get a job as somebody, for example, a friend of mine, Martin Gritton, who used to play for Plymouth and Grimsby, amongst other people, who's excellent at talking about football and very handsome, simply because you know Channel 4 will take a decision that Michael Owen... It's more likely... I mean, nobody tunes in to watch the pundits, essentially, but people are more yeah. likely to take... Michael Owen seriously, and Channel Four will feel that it raises their profile somewhat than getting somebody who's a better talker about football. Um, part of the problem is the the PFA, which is great in a way. The PFA have a course for players that are coming to the end of their career, which teaches them how to be broadcasters and how to be pundits. But essentially, all that does is is throw another twenty pundits onto the available pile. Uh, at the end of any season. And the, the the fact is that if you didn't play football in the Premier League, you're unlikely to be picked up to be talking about football at any level other than really. You might get on Sky for a, a League One, League Two game, or you might get on BT for Vanarama game. But it's, it's very difficult. So many ex-players are trying to become pundits. And you'll see occasionally people like Dean Ashton, for example, who will be mm. tried out once or twice and then clearly hasn't managed it. You'll see someone like Pat Nevin, who's fantastic on on radio, but nobody seems to fancy him doing it on TV. And and what happens, of course, is that TV broadcasters are essentially quite conservative organisations. And once they've got somebody or a team of people, then they will use them for everything. I mean, Mark Lawrenson was on for, for 20 years, and even Mark will probably admit that was probably five years too long. So you have a certain raft of people that will turn up all over the place. The the question about certain players getting on multiple platforms, and this arose at starts people very surprised to see that Gary Lineker, for example, uh, who's the host of Match Today, who's a very good host now, he wasn't at the start, uh, and I've seen his first audition tape. They need to make that public because it's hilarious. But he's become a very good uh, broadcaster and pundit because he's worked hard at it. It's more difficult than people imagine. But he turned up um, after a couple of years on match today, also doing uh, the Champions League on BT Sport. You'll see Rio Ferdinand across various levels, even though he's more associated with BT Sport. The fact is that the broadcasters can't afford to tie the big-name pundits down to what they call a golden handcuff deal. You, You simply can't pay enough money to Gary Lineker to say, right, you're only doing BBC. So they have to accept that they can afford to pay a certain amount of money. It's a decent amount of money. But they have to accept that he's also able to go off and do other stuff as well. And like they, I, they, I think they probably would have stopped him from doing Sky, but they certainly were happy for him to do BT because they took the decision that yeah, it's, they're not in direct competition with BT because BBC haven't got European football. But I'm afraid the, the actual simple answer, Jamie, it's, it's, it's who you know. And it's, it's you know, if... If you've got a particularly keen agent and your agent happens to know one of the producers, then you're more likely to get on than somebody else. If you've formed a relationship over the years, you know, one or two players are clever enough to make themselves available at the end of games and are friendly and are always volunteer to chat after games, no matter what the circumstances. 
and of course they will be they will be noted that you know producers might say well let's get them on but essentially <clears throat> it's being in the right place at the right time um it's also at the moment finally the you know both bt sport the bbc and sky are starting to reflect the fact that uh women and uh people from different backgrounds who played football are able to talk about football so you're seeing far more um women pundits and and black pundits which is which is how it should be it would be nice if you saw more women and black people working behind the scenes but they are um, they are broadening their horizons in terms of punditry. But again, the women and the black black players that they choose, again, that will be down to uh, to luck and who you know. So uh, it's for the, all those ex professionals listening to this who want to be pundits. It's not particularly good news, I'm afraid. It's harder. Right, right. It's harder than it sounds. Answering questions, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, when, when I used to run the uh, when I used to run that sex shop in Brighton, mm. um, one of the uh, one of the local sex workers specialised in a golden handcuff deal. Um, <laughs> but I, but I, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to go into details because yeah, we, we, there could be a BAFTA heading our way, and I don't want to. I, I don't want to reduce our opportunities there. Uh, we lost the BAFTA when we were discussing how to tell the difference between female and male blackbirds, Kieran. They, they, uh, uh, unless there's a nature, imagine that. If there's a nature football podcast crossover going on we could do that uh emlyn riley um whose name seems familiar for some reason maybe because he's asked questions before but emlyn riley says i've recently been reading the excellent book world in motion by simon hart in one chapter he recounts a recording of the song by new order they're only number one by the way he says in brackets um world in motion of course that's song of the same name there's a long history of clubs recording fa cup world cup songs and nations recording tracks for major events. Do clubs own the rights to some of these songs? And if fans decided to stream them repeatedly, would it generate money for the club? Do individual FAs own the right to songs they've recorded before tournaments, and did it generate money for them? Well, th- this comes down to the the nature of the contract, and there will be uh, a variety of rights holders. There will be the the writer of the song. They will get significant rights. And then... The, the artist will either get a fixed fee or they will get a share of royalties. Now, the artist could be the club or the football association, which in turn has a subcontract with the, the players who are singing the song, or it could be the players themselves. But that doesn't tend to be the case because they're effectively, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't, uh, you know, if, if we think going back to, uh, for me, the the, the 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 first football song I ever heard, and I expect you was was it back home, nineteen seventy? Oh yeah, with Alan Alan Ball's little high pitched voice. <laughs> That's right, yeah. and, and they're all wearing dicky bows. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But under normal circumstances, you would not have had twenty blokes singing slightly out of tune on top of the pops wearing dicky bows uh, and, and looking extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> so um, that that. That would be sort of a deal normally perhaps between the player's pool and the club in terms of how the, the artist royalties would be split. But it, it it very much varies from contract to contract. Okay. Now, our last question, Kieran, isn't actually a question, but I think it's only <laughs> no, it's I think it's only just that we read it out, to be perfectly fair. And there is something to discuss at the end of it. it it's from Andrew Woods and Guy very helpfully has put not a question message. So 
<laughs> I, I, I do tend to check, guys. I occasionally look to see whether there's a question mark at the end. Are you doing your nails, girl? I've got hay fever today, so I'm aware people might hear me sniffing. But are you doing your nails? Sounds, I'm not aware of it. I'm, no, it sounds like it sounds like there's a bit of nail filing going on, or maybe it's a starling trying to dig its way back in. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yes, it, this doesn't have a question mark at the end of it, so I was fairly certain it wasn't a question. Uh, Andrew Wood says, hello, chaps. I've been an avid listener for the past 18 months or so. I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan and a railway signalling engineer. Now, if this were 1948, I would be able to picture very accurately in my mind what a Blackburn Rovers fan who is also a railway signalling engineer looked like. There'd be a waistcoat involved and a flat cap. But I've got no idea what a Blackburn fan who's a railway signalling engineer looks like now. But Andrew says, my ears pricked. Leave it, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> my ears pricked at Kevin bemoaning the fact the railway engineering works clashed with a match in South London and made it difficult for people getting to the game. The date of engineering works can be set years in advance to allow the complicated planning of people and machinery needed to deliver the work while minimising the impact on the travelling public. So in defence of Network Rail, and that's not a sentence I've ever read out before... <laughs> Uh, but in defence of Network Rail and the train companies, this is well before we know who will be in the league, who will be playing that Saturday, and whether Sky BT have deemed it fit to move the fixture to a Friday or Monday night. Sorry to come over all fussy, but we don't do it on purpose to wreck people's days. It's just the least bad way of doing vital work to keep moving people and freight 365 days a year in a low-carbon and safe way. Andrew, I hope your boss is listening to this because you're in for a pat on the back. Tomorrow, yeah. Andrew's Andrew's absolutely right. We did we did discuss this on a pod a few weeks ago when a, a, a Palace game on a Sunday. There was absolutely no way of getting to it by train. It's more of a problem for away fans. We talked about it for the FA Cup semi finals, Kieran, when there were uh, engineering works that prevented fans from the north getting to Wembley by train. I think Andrew, our point was more to do with the football authorities rather than mm. the train. We I think we all knew that's interesting to know that it's sometimes years in advance. I, th- I think it's it's more to do with the FA or the Premier League or the broadcasters checking whether there are any issues before they change a game because it it it, it does make life very difficult. I mean, get, getting to as you say, Kieran, getting from Brighton to Wolf, Wolverhampton on a Sunday is hard enough as it is without suddenly realising that there are engineering works. So I think it's down to the Premier League to check that before they blithely say, yes, the game can be moved to a Sunday or a Monday night. But it's, I mean, there's no there's, there's no way around it. As Andrew says, that's just the least bad way. But it's it's not beyond the realms of, of fantasy, Kieran, is it, to suggest that somebody at the broadcasters or at the, at the Premier League just has a little look and just goes, well, we've got the F, we're going to, we, we've got to play the FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley. Should we pick the weekend where there, there's no trade? Well, I think Andrew... And you both raise a completely valid point. Given that these dates are set significantly in advance, yes. then why can't this be taken into consideration when the fixtures are originally written up? Now, there was an absolutely brilliant athletic article this week about the fixtures computer, you know, which, yeah, and, and I'd encourage you, if you've got a subscription, uh, you know, read word for word because the an awful lot of work does go into it behind the scenes. And I know that this would add a further layer of aggravation uh, to to the algorithms, but there's no reason why a little bit more care could, couldn't be taken into consideration. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we, we we weren't having a go at, at you and your colleagues, Andrew, and I, and I think you've put up a, a very valid and uh, proportionate defence as to you know, it's it's running a, a, a national rail network isn't an easy task, uh, especially when it is being split into bits yeah. uh, from a uh, from an individual company point of view to to add to, to add to further aggravation. Yeah, don't talk to me about the fixture. That that fixture computer wants Palace to go down. It's the second season running. It's given us three really difficult games. I, I don't think you play anybody out of the, apart from Man United. Brighton haven't got anybody who were in the top ten last season for till about December. For some reason, yeah, we, 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 we've got a we got a, uh, yeah, we, we got yeah. a good start to the season. We, we've got to deliver, and, and you know, Manchester. I mean, first two matches, Manchester United away and Newcastle at home. If Newcastle are are, are spending spending billions, it's going to make it more difficult. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you that. Uh, we took a look at it and thought, well, you know, we, we need to get some points under the belt, as, as we did at the start of last season, because we then went on a run on three wins out of 25 in, in the Premier League in the middle bit. Yeah, I, I don't know how that computer does it. What sort of algorithm is it? 19 of the clubs start off with six easy games, it seems. And that can't be possible, but the computer seems to have worked it out that way. It's, I, I'm, I'm not sure it is a computer, Kieran. I think it's two Brighton fans and a Chelsea fan working it out between them. Um, thank you to everybody. Who's the, you, we, we did mention Pet Hates at the top, didn't we? The fixture computer is very much done. I've got an index. It makes it, makes it easier. I'll just riffle through <laughs> the index. What's under F? Oh, fixture computer. Um, uh, thanks to everybody who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And before I hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell, I think, Kieran, we should, uh, you know, fans will be in suspense. It turns out that Tony Hereford is called Tony Hereford. We've been we've been <laughs> questioning for several weeks whether he's Tony from Hereford or he's Tony Hereford. And I had a rather plaintive tweet from him saying, oh, my name is Tony Hereford. That's not how he speaks. I'm, I'm just inferring that from him. <laughs> so I'm really pleased to hear that Tony Hereford is called Tony Hereford. So uh, as I say, I will hand you over now to Mr. Kerry Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, uh, folks, th- thank you very much for the the support uh, and, and the feedback in respect of the show. Uh, Patreon is, is is one way of doing that for as little as a pound a month. Uh, yeah, we'll be the first to match. We, it, we we you don't get a, a huge amount of uh, back for that, but <laughs> we, but but you, you, you do you get, get anything. <laughs> well, you, you you get our love, and I think that's, that's right. and and you know, and and it. We do put a lot of work in trying to put the show together, yeah. uh, but another way, another way of uh, giving us a bit of support, and and this is this is a this is a cost free way, um, is is to go on to that, uh, that that podcast app of yours, and uh, if you can give us a review, if you can give us five stars if you think you're worth it. If you, if you don't think we're too left wing, um, <laughs> uh, and, and some, somebody that actually gave us a review, he says, uh, "I come on here for the left wing politics, and I'm slightly disappointed, but I'll give you five stars anyway." <laughs> um, but it it it. it doesn't matter what you say you could say you would rather have the show presented by kenneth williams and floella benjamin and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to myself and kevin uh, it would help us in the algorithms uh, if, if you just put something at all so so uh you know th- thanks very much and uh have a good day yeah the, the top kenneth williams and floella benjamin would just it would be a right-wing podcast in kieran unfortunately um, it just be, which uh, pains me because I'm 
mildly obsessed with Kenneth Williams. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've read his diaries and yeah, I've, I've, I've listened to all the podcasts about him. And I think one of the one of the shows I remember, sort of, I think it's called The Curse of Carry On. Yeah, uh, and it went through all of the characters. You know, Charles Hawtrey and Sid James, and and uh, they a lot of them had pretty complex backstories. Uh, that's one way of putting it. Yes, yeah, but um, yes. Uh, if you in every biography of Kenneth Williams, in every, in fact, any photograph uh, you'll see of Kenneth, they always include a picture of him in primary school, uh, and the little boy next to him, but one is my uncle. Oh wow! Yes, my uncle Jim. So because my uh, dad, and again, my dad didn't tell me this until very late in his life because he correctly surmised that I'd be upset. It turns out that my dad was actually born in North London. And spent no. and spent the first eighteen months of his life there, and, and his two older brothers went to primary school in North London, and they got slum cleared to uh, Carshorton. So he, he he didn't even break it to me gently. He just he just told me out of the blue one night that I've, if things had been different, I'd have been an Arsenal fan. It's just horrifying. I had to sit down for a couple of minutes, Kieran. It could only <laughs> have been worse if he told me that they're originally from Sussex. And they got Here, the, careful, careful. Yeah, you, you don't get slum. You don't get slum cleared from Sussex, do you? Really? <laughs> 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 Bye, everybody. Bye. I'm for the